In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs with a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighbourhood cat. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we are Absolute Absolute Dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about something that we don't normally talk about, and that is force. Now, I think that force is one of those things that, I mean, especially in our training world, Tom, Mm -hmm. that most trainers would be like, no, no, I would never, I would never use force. I don't use force. And I think that actually when we think about, I don't know, aversive training and, and where we are with absolute dogs and the training academy, sex Mm -hmm. and a squirrel, it's quite obvious that's not the way we train, right? And yet, you know, in today's training kind of horizon we probably have to think about force in a little bit of a different way because what we see is a lot of people using force when they're using food and toy and praise and whatever else and what we have to acknowledge is that we can actually be forcing our dogs and training with force even when we're using what we think are reward-based methods. So I suppose what we're saying is that force can be accidentally put on our dog or, mm-hmm. or within our training methods, or force can be something that we do without really clear consideration mm-hmm. or something that we maybe just sort of fall into because that might be what a trainer suggests yeah. or um, maybe has been sort of preconceived within a, a training method. Yeah. And so in order to understand this, we probably have to do a little bit of a background um, summary on this. And it, it kind of starts how all good stories start and that is that every dog has a brain and this brain it has its strengths it has its weaknesses and you know what some of those are going to be like genetic some of them are going to be from experience some of them are just by chance and we need to just accept it right and and this brain gets put in situations now for example, this brain might get attached to a lead and, you know, there's another dog on the other side of the road. It, this brain might get left home alone. This brain might hear a firework. And based on that, that brain's strengths and weaknesses, it determines how it reacts and how it behaves. Now, the challenge is with this is that there are two approaches to training a dog. And this is, uh, we're not going to talk about reward-based versus aversive-based. We're going to talk even bigger picture than that. And what we're going to talk about is the training that is happening day in, day out and advised to do where you're training in the situation. Because you can almost look at the brain as a peg and the situation as a whole. And the fact is, unless we change the the strengths and weaknesses of a brain, we change how that brain thinks, well, that brain... That peg is probably a square peg that we're trying to force into a round hole. So let's take this into a um, a very practical sense. And I'm going to give, give an example here. So I've, I've got a little dog next to me. Uh, her name's Classic. Uh, and Classic is a mini American Shepherd. And when I first brought Classic home, I really expected that she might do things like 
be I suppose a little bit like my border collie she mm. might tug she might go crazy for a toy she'd be super attentive for um some food she wanted to work with maybe uh me closely and um yeah tug tug is a big thing in sports and sport dog training and, mm. and a lot of trainers really want tug and so I suppose um if I was thinking and, and considering about what I wanted tug would be high on the agenda mm. and yet when I first brought classic home she wouldn't tug she wasn't interested in toys and actually she was actively um, avoiding of being close and close proximity and taking food from me. So those are the things my my head told me that I needed to do with her four or five years ago. And yet when we consider this, Tom, that's where we kind of almost need to not just reshape and consider where their brains are actually how about our brains like yeah. how about where we're thinking how about yeah. like that big picture and the the cool thing is with working with dogs is that there's almost this like balance between the responsibility that we have and the responsibility that they have and what some dog training approaches do is they put all of the responsibility on the dog they put that dog in situations and when the outcome happens that maybe they don't like well the only next step is to blame the dog to label the dog to call the dog aggressive to call the dog untrainable to call the dog stubborn let, let's be honest here I, i'm gonna I'm going to go with the sports world for a minute here, Tom. And, and 10 years ago, so please don't feel bad if this is you and if you've been in this place where you say, because I never called a dog stubborn or aggressive in those times, but actually I would sometimes consider that a dog was low drive or low motivation or was maybe a bit flat or maybe didn't have any tug drive or yeah. toy drive. And now when I consider where we were 10 years ago, I'm like, no, actually I was training to to maybe force a toy on a dog whereas mm. actually we've we've changed where we are so yeah. much and we've reshaped how we look at things and i remember trainer after trainer 10 years ago saying um about um one of my dogs oh he doesn't he he, he isn't a drivey dog you won't get the speed out of him he's not going to get he's not a motivated dog this isn't a dog you want for sports this isn't a dog that's going to fit in there and i know that i'm talking about it from the sports context but this could be in any context right mm. it's the whole square peg round hole scenario yeah absolutely and you know to take a, to make to give like a uh, a behavior struggle example well what the, what typically happens the journey of of an owner with a dog with behavior struggles is that they they realize they have a struggle they go to a trainer that trainer tells them to do things and often it involves exposing the dog to stuff so and see, putting them in a situation. See 20 black dogs yeah, or exactly. visit your dog doesn't like dogs go visit 20 more dogs yeah. a day and then that's putting all the responsibility on the dog, right? And then what happens is that that doesn't work and actually the dog gets worse and it's very, very stressful. And so the owner's like, oh my God, you know, I, I can't put my dog in this situation. So I'm going to take them out of that situation. And then what happens is they often discover through endless research, games-based dog training. And what they do is they become a game changer for that dog. Now, now what, what I wish though, Tom, is that we didn't even have to do the research, that this was more widely there. Yeah. That, I mean, if, guys, for a start, share the podcast, like share the podcast, make mm. this shareable, make this the mm. new normal, because actually I wish that people didn't have to do endless research. Yeah. And I wish that games-based learning and games-based training, like thank God, classic never had to go through someone trying to do like flossing her head with a tuggy toy mm. to try and get her to play. You know what? we train it differently like I, I feel passionately that this should be more no normal and more known yeah absolutely and and what then happens is that the owner starts to reshape that dog's brain they stop training in the situation they stop trying to 
forcibly change that that outcome and the way that that dog behaves in that situation and they reshape the brain now in the meantime they've taken all the responsibility onto themselves they're managing the environment they're managing the dog they're being very careful and then what happens is they don't realize that the dog that they're now training today is different from the dog they were training they've, three months they've ago made progress yeah they've, they've made, made hugely that brain has been reshaped and so what we then need to start to do and this is is when sometimes it's a little kind of push from us to get them to do it is they actually that dog can now take some more responsibility we can actually stop like managing them so much and everything being a military operation and they can actually have some more freedom they can do more they can that that dog is making the great choices and often it's then our expectations that lag behind our dog's progress and we had this only the other day didn't we tom i remember here um we had one of our brilliant students training in the arena um it was kathy with her uh, her little um, Chihuahua Pixel, and we were like, "Come on, like next level! Like we're not training yeah. the dog of yesterday; we're training the dog of today and tomorrow, yeah. right? Like we we make huge leaps here." Yeah, absolutely, and so. Gone should be the days where we say reward what you do want and ignore what you don't want. Actually, let's let's jump into a world where we we think about proactively shaping our dog's brain to suit the lives that they live in it's like i always say this joke and it sometimes sometimes makes people sort of i don't know uncomfortable it's it's a little bit controversial (laughs) i guess but the fact is that dogs are an incredibly diverse species and they're incredibly flexible in terms of their their um, ability to learn their roles what they do day in day out and i can guarantee that right now there will be a big dog like searching out a criminal or or searching for somebody who's um who's who's been missing and yet equally i can guarantee that there'll probably be a very tiny dog living in a handbag and that's the variety of the dog species as it currently stands and what we don't accept enough is that actually we can move a dog and shape a dog into a different role and that role might be your perfect pet that dog might be your perfect agility dog you know the the situations that our dogs find themselves in are incredibly diverse you know arguably more diverse than any other species in terms of the roles and and things that they have to do i I chatted to a guy um who was um looking for training only last week Tom and he's recently been diagnosed with um, uh, an illness and a condition that he feels that he really would like a dog to support him mm-hmm. and if and his family through a difficult time and the fact that they're not taking this decision lightly and you think that dog's coming into their home as part of their support network mm-hmm. um, and then like you said on the flip side you've got someone like me who has like top end sports dogs who are also part part of my family for sure and at the same time going all over the world potentially competing at big events i mean what a diverse range yeah. of of um of, of roles mm. in a in a family and what we've got to think is that actually all the behavior struggle is is a a dog that has a blueprint of the world that is mismatched with the world that they find themselves in. And if we try and force them into that world, if we try and force that square peg into a round hole, well, we are training with force, even if we are using food and toy. And instead, what we've got to think about is reshaping that dog's brain through games, in turn, reshaping that peg so that actually the the situation stuff, putting, you know, them being exposed to the world, them seeing the other dog, them seeing the person, that's effortless because the brain matches 
matches the situation. And, and here I can't help again but relate to sports where you see so many people saying, oh, this dog, he, he's low drive, he's low energy, he doesn't, he doesn't fit this, it's not his role. Actually, you haven't been diverse enough to actually show him what a good deal is. Mm-hmm. You haven't changed it up enough. You haven't found the joy in, in what you're doing because Classic was not a dog who would ever have fitted the typical sports dog model and yet through games through fun through creativity through inspiring her and um, i've never used tennis balls uh, to play with i've always used tug toys and yet you know what you change it and you mix it up to be able to work with a dog in front of you uh, rather than force uh, and deprive a dog mm-hmm. absolutely and so it's at this point that we have to think, you know what, we've probably all trained with force without intending to or realizing. And w- what we've got to think is that that isn't something that now we should feel guilty about or sad about. Instead, what we should probably think is, you know, what? how cool is it that I'm growing? How cool is it that I don't know what I don't know and I still don't know and what I don't know? <laughs> how cool is it that I'm enlightened and that actually I'm awake to it and that actually I'm present here thinking about it and I can I can review where I've been and I can review where I am and I can review where I'm going. So actually, actually I'm now a bit more conscious about it. I'm, I'm a bit more aware of it. And, and when I have those moments of, I mean, I've had them, I mean, 10 years ago, I remember having some of them with um, my uh, late naughty but nice dog Poppy. And sometimes you would feel like abrasive rubbing up the wrong way against each other. Mm. Actually, how cool is it that now we get to make um, more informed decisions? We get Mm. to take moments to consider it. We get to actually um, inspire rather than actually force um, and deprive which is so so much where the dog world was. If he doesn't like this, then don't give him that and don't do that and don't do that and and force this. Like that's definitely where the dog world was. Yeah, absolutely. And and the the funny thing is is we've all we've all had this feeling of where we're training our dogs, we're having an interaction with our dogs and it's like a, it's a conflict and yet it's a conflict it's involving food but it's still like a conflict like for example i don't know you recall your dog and they stay kind of 10 meters away from you and you see that almost like they want to come in close but they physically can't come in close right and it's like that it's them battling with their brain and us battling with their brains or you've asked your dog to sit in the face of a distraction and actually you see that they're like trying to oh they, they want to sit but also they can't quite sit in that situation and so that you know force is like a scary word but actually that's just it's just situational training and, and we need to train for the situation not in it another one of those i've definitely seen in the past for myself even 10 12 years ago recalling a dog giving them something that's a bad deal mm. you know what it's just the situation that you think that you're doing a good thing by recalling mm-hmm. and rewarding but actually your reward is actively punishing in the face of the mm-hmm. environment that you're offering it and yeah. that you are in so again um the moments that we put our dogs in the situations that we do put ourselves and our dogs in without really considering them correctly yeah absolutely and in fact we've all been there where and i'm saying we've all been there because i want you to understand that you know what we this is something that we're we're all constantly growing in but sometimes you've wanted to reward your dog for seeing something scary and you've given them the piece of food and they've they spat it out and you're like oh my god you know that that's now i i thought i was doing something to like give them a positive outcome and i've just shoved some food in their face that's made it even a more a worse experience it's like putting a clown in front of me and then force feeding me 
really cake. I don't really like cake and I certainly don't like clowns, right? (laughs) Another example though, Tom, again, um, I'm I'm remembering back when I first started out my training journey, we were never intentionally being unkind. Mm. We were never intentionally trying to force. But I remember things like the trainers saying things to us similar to you feed the dog uh, whenever something, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. I would give the food to the person that the dog is scared of. Mm -hmm. So the dog is scared of a child. I give the food to the child. The child now feeds the dog. No one deliberately wants to put that dog in conflict. The trainer is thinking it's a good deal for the dog. Actually, the dog's in a position where not only are they completely in the situation and they've got no escape. Mm -hmm. Most of the time they're on a lead. Mm -hmm. They're hungry. They're taking the food and yet they're backing off and growling at the same time. I've seen that situation happen time after time at agility shows and at dog events and and dog events all over the world. Crafts, the big events that we go to. And and yet people don't, they're not deliberately mean people, right? If that that dog likes the food, you are now forcing that dog into a situation in which they are uncomfortable. And yet, you know, no one's deliberately doing this. But if we think about it, it makes sense. Like, it's like, I don't know, if a clown was handing out pizza, I'd be like, oh, should I, shouldn't I? And then I'd probably get to a situation where I'm doing this and I'm actually even more uncomfortable about it because now there is this internal conflict and we think that we're doing it to like to to teach our dogs that that there's some kind of positive emotion associated with this no now they're conflicted and they're fighting their own brain and and that square peg into that round hole and it's not fitting it's definitely the moment I've seen multi-times is the the scenario like I said my main time of seeing it would be like a big event like Crufts or or a dog show where child is given food and that dog really is in conflict and you can see it edging forward Mm -hmm. edging back maybe lip curling maybe snapping Mm -hmm. snarling growling and still they keep forcing they keep Mm -hmm. going and what could we do instead of that like how could we look at that differently because we could completely turn that Mm -hmm. picture around and i think that's important like how do we do that differently yeah so the the key that we've got to think is well what skills are required for that situation well confidence optimism right if we've got confidence and optimism well all the child is is just like a novelty machine that's just like throwing out crazy things the whole time actually let's not actively go and target that child let's not actively Mm -hmm. run and chase the child around the agility let's not create the the conflict let's not create the chaos i mean like ultimately it's stressful for everyone let's actively play some games in the environment not Mm -hmm. up against the child just in the environment nowhere near the child that actually puts my doesn't put ourselves in conflict doesn't put the dog in conflict and actually doesn't risk anyone let's build the confidence let's grow the optimism and away from that situation let's play more games let's boost confidence let's boost energy let's boost optimism let's actually play games that build our dogs rather than sometimes tearing them down Absolutely. So with that, guys, we wanted to kind of take this episode to like, just open up everybody's eyes to actually, we can really truly train force free. And training force free means training for the situation, not putting our dogs in the situation and then saying things to ourselves like reward what you do want, ignore what you don't want. Force doesn't actually need to look forceful. And I Mm. think that's the thing to start to be a little bit more um, emotionally intelligent there to to look for... um, opportunities to to do things in a good way mm-hmm. to do things in a in a way that builds your dog and actually to consider that like i said force doesn't need doesn't mean forceful actually yeah. a bit more awareness is needed here absolutely so with that guys that was this episode of the sexier than a squirrel podcast we will see you next week for a new installment and remember stay, stay sexy, sexy. 
Hey, before you go, have you taken part in the worldwide Sexier Than a Squirrel Challenge? It's a 25-day online video programme, huge energy, amazing community, and over 6,000 people are already taking part. The only question is, you know where you are today, where do you want to be 25 days from now? Head to absolutedogs.me forward slash sexy.